social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. I had originally had a really cute way to start this episode that I dreamed of last night, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hope everyone had a nice long weekend spent with uh, social distanced <laughs> activities or maybe some TV watching. Did anyone spend time on Quibi? Because I don't think anyone <laughs> I don't actually think anyone is. did. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Quibi. You said you have a lot to say. I do. Well, because I was very excited about Quibi. I was getting the ads very early on before it launched. Mm -hmm. Um, For those unfamiliar, which you might be because it hasn't really taken off, but it was a streaming platform meant for mobile only. So it's all vertical video and it was short bingeable content. Like if you're sitting on the subway or like laying in bed watching TV on your phone. Yeah. And the shows featured like huge talent like Liam Hemsworth, Chrissy Teigen. Who's Sansa from Game of Thrones? Oh, Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Did you say Chrissy Teigen? Yeah, I said her. Anna Kendrick. And even the Kardashians. Yeah. So the whole, I mean, you have to pay for it. But the whole argument right now, too, is like with TikTok blowing up and people being able to stream free things on YouTube, like why would we want to pay for this service? Mm -hmm. Why add another one to the mix at this? Exactly. During this unprecedented time. I've seen Quibi like saying, kind of blaming the pandemic for For them not taking off. But I'm curious if it would be any different if the world was not upside down. Yeah, they're saying something more specifically around this idea that it has a really long runway that will take it into late 2021. And I think we think about launches a lot and winning with a launch is really, you know, the most important part about getting something off the ground. And I understand the sentiment that they have enough funds to last for that long and can produce new content. And maybe there will be one show that is so bingeable and gets everyone on board, almost like Orange is the New Black did for Netflix type thing. I am intrigued to see how long you know, they, they grin and bear it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we talked a little bit about the talent. Yeah. I mean, influencers are the biggest part of Quibi. I think the people who they're getting behind it, but I think that's a really good segue into what we want to talk about next. Right. Well, yeah, they thought the talent would like be the driving force of people downloading it and it's not, Mm -hmm. um, they're like A-list actors, but instead people would rather watch hours of influencers on tiktok so or even instagram stories you know yeah uh jen tell us what's going on in the influencer world so there is now a trade organization specifically for influencers um and it's founded by a handful of really notable notable folks that i have followed for quite some time now i think it's actually a really interesting thing to me that this is the first time something like this is happening yeah i I mean i read that and i remember doing research for likable social media three (laughs) um but like everything's so outdated with the fta Mm -hmm. it's like the rule book for how people are compensated and what their rights are is like so outdated yeah so for the first time we're really seeing creators and influencers band together to build and collaborate on what the agenda looks like for the future of influencer marketing on the topic of influence, um, Pinterest, you know, is is used as that planning network and you're planning ahead and you're thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. And Pinterest published a new report that shows that Christmas-related searches are seeing a major increase. I saw that. And they it's have July. A, yeah, they have a whole report out. I mean, 
has no one made a Christmas in July reference yet? I've been waiting for I've it. I've always wanted to have a Christmas in July party, but it... You can get your inspiration for the party I, from I Pinterest. Can. Pinterest gave some recommendations for like different industries for what they should be thinking about now based on this search data. Mm -hmm. And one that stood out to me was for grocery, there's a five-time increase in Christmas baking. And it says that pinners express concern that grocery stores might be out of stock of their favorite goodies this season. So grocery stores should offer up timelines that address how early to purchase needed items along with shipping information and discount codes if available. Hmm. Because we've missed out on a lot of celebrations this year, people want Christmas, Thanksgiving to be all out in hopes that we can be together. I actually think it's a lot of optimism, you know, like looking at that period of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's then as the time in which we can all air quotes here, go back to normal and can be together again in the way that we used to know it to be. So all that aside, we're really excited for you all to hear today's interview. We're talking to Janal Shaw, who is the VP of Marketing at Feather. Feather is a platform that lets you rent furniture. And today we talked to Janal about how the business has been impacted by COVID. I mean, she even did a whole rebrand in the midst of this pandemic, and she'll share that story too. So yeah, here she is. Hi, so nice to meet you. We're We're so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs) Let's get started with the social media speed round. All right. Okay. What is your favorite social network? Uh, It has to be Instagram, but LinkedIn is actually climbing up the ladder pretty quick. Oh, people don't normally say that, but I love that answer. Yeah, hot take. (laughs) What about your go-to emoji? It's the dancing girl. I love that one too. How about Twitter or TikTok? TikTok. Stories or feed? Stories. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I'm being bombarded by some mattresses ads right now because I'm in the market for one. So I would say... They will follow you for a long time. We did a (laughs) new business pitch for a mattress brand and I was doing a ton of research and I swear for like a year I was getting (laughs) mattress ads. Targeted. The market in me is very pleased. Yeah, of course. Okay, what about your favorite meme? My favorite meme? Uh, I'm kind of enjoying all the Trump memes right now. (laughs) (laughs) Something to laugh about. I know, I know. (laughs) Okay, and our last one, um, it's 2005. I don't know if you had a MySpace profile, but if you did, what song was playing? Oh my goodness, I don't even remember. I I did have a MySpace profile. I wasn't very active on it. So I guess this shows how amazing my memory is. All good. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. (laughs) So let's jump into the interview portion. We would love to hear a little bit more about your career journey. We know that prior to Feather, you were on the agency side and then you jumped ship to go brand side. So tell us a little bit about that switch and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So... Yeah, I was born and raised in India, and I actually came here as an immigrant um, for my undergraduate studies. I majored in journalism and started actually at InStyle magazine as a reporter. That was my very first Mm, after graduation. Um, I had a blog, and this was 2005, and blogging kind of was taking on its own life. Mm -hmm. And social media as a term was just coined. So I found myself fascinated by... um, all the brands that I was covering and it kind of um, 
it sort of really pushed me to pivot at that point into marketing. I didn't even know it was mm. called marketing, but I just loved helping brands figure out how to communicate on social media. So I built a solid foundation in the agency world for about a decade. And then a few years ago, I transitioned into e-commerce. I knew I wanted to be a CEO or be this, you know, join a C-suite someday. Love that. <laughs> We're like cheering you on over here. We're like smiling at each other. We're like, go, girl, go. <laughs> hey, I've learned you got to say things out loud to manifest them in the future so yes yeah but you know I, I knew that um, I wanted to learn new skills as well so I transitioned and pivoted into e-commerce and uh, you know that sort of opened up a whole new host of opportunities for me including Newell's well and now at Feather and then I've had my share of ups and downs you know I've had some amazing ups uh, recognition for my work I had the opportunity to be part of President Obama's creative board I was on the same table as the CTO, which was one of the most exciting days of my life. Yeah. And amazing colleagues who've become lifelong friends. But I've also had my own share of downs. Nepotism, a narcissist boss, a layoff. I think all of these things have helped me grow into a better leader. So currently I'm at Feather leading marketing and revenue and we are reimagining furniture rental for modern consumers. I'm curious what drew you to Feather because it is such a kind of unique concept in a new space. Um, what were you excited to bring to the table and, and do at Feather? Uh, my role at its heart is to help build new behaviors. So about 19 billion pounds of furniture ends up in landfills every year. This, by the way, wow. this, yeah, this is actually the same amount of plastic that ends up in oceans every year. Hmm. So renting furniture is a far better alternative to fast furniture. Um, this challenge of building a new consumer behavior and the complexity of a circular business is what I love most about this job. You know, I was at a point in my career where I was looking for a chewy challenge, a purpose-driven brand, and extremely smart people to work with. So I found all three hmm. at Feather. And to answer your other question about what, you know, what I was really excited to bring to the table at Feather, I love that in this role, I have to play equal parts strategist, equal parts marketer. And marketing is not always a solution to changing behaviors. Right. So you have to take a dispassionate look at all aspects of a service and then work with my peers to rethink areas in merchandising, in our product, in our pricing, in our digital product experience. So it's helping me channel my interest in behavioral sciences, semiotics, design, and brand building and, and bring it all at the table here. So I was really surprised by that statistic you shared about the furniture in the landfill because you don't really hear about that. You no, compared it to the yeah. plastic in the ocean, which is such, you know, a very like we can all picture those ads that you see and those that imagery um, of the waste in the oceans. And I would love to hear more about that sustainability side and where Feather is hoping to kind of expand that messaging. You know, this I think you know the plastic and rightfully so has dominated the conversation around sustainability um, I think it's and definitely for me it was a misconception that oh like furniture is easily recyclable mm -hmm. right. you know it it's not actually because it's got mixed media some furniture is just not also meant to be recycled because of the materials that are used in it so it is it is a pretty significant drain on our resources when we move as often as we do. And every time we move, if we haven't invested in good quality furniture, which, you know, why would you if you're moving so often? It's really, we really resort to fast furniture, right? So, and fast furniture by the virtue, by 
being cheap and expensive is not meant to move with you multiple apartments. It just doesn't last the right. journey. So this was one key sort of insight. And the other insight was un until people turn 30 or, th you know, early 30s, most people that live in cities move in five to seven times and this is often accompanied by some massive life change right so you could be moving in with roommates you could be moving in with a significant other moving out mm -hmm. uh breaking up a relationship so there is there's a lot that happens in yeah. frames um that it, it's just a very volatile exciting energetic time in most people's lives where permanence is not always part of the equation and especially right now well, we're seeing of course and i know you're seeing it too more and more people moving out of these cities mm -hmm. um yeah. because of the work working from home and with covid exactly your question around how we are incorporating sustainability more in our messaging you know i will say this i the word sustainability actually makes me uncomfortable. And I'll tell you why. It, it just is a very challenging word for me because I feel it's now used very loosely. Yeah. So I'd rather champion the notion of being a responsible business. The thing about committing to sustainability is that the work is never done. It has to be consciously incorporated yeah. into all aspects of work, of life, you know, of how you make decisions, uh, how you, um, what the lens is for decision making. And that's what we're trying to do at Feather. I think that's a theme that's been coming up a lot lately is this, it never ends. Like you need to continue mm -hmm. reevaluating and continue growing. And I think Earth Day is a, is a good example where we saw a ton of brands, especially come out this year with the, with the climate strike, you know, wanting to announce what they were doing to be sustainable and, right. and their, you know, emissions. But when it's not the hot thing anymore, we don't mm -hmm. hear about it as much. So I love hearing like more about what brands are doing always. Um, so thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's such a, you know, I've, I've been driven to purpose driven businesses now for a few years in my career. And, you know, you get one thing that sets them apart is really does begin at the top. And that is one of the core, like, values that attracts the senior leadership and then others you know when we recruit at feather for us it's really important that whoever we hire they have resonance with our mission because otherwise yes you'll show up and you may be an amazing candidate who'll bring the very best at work but if you're not mission aligned there's something vitally missing in what you could be bringing table. Right. And I think it goes back to that idea of like something a little cyclical too, like wanting to know that they're doing good in the workplace, but also what are they doing in their personal lives too, is also like very interconnected. Absolutely. Because you know, they will have a high bar towards decision-making. Right. So let's talk about COVID. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to start. How has it been for Feather? Have you seen a huge uptick? Yeah. Like are people renting furniture more <laughs> to fill out home offices that they never had? Yeah. So let me zoom out and and zoom in. It's really interesting, right? I think one of the things we were discussing or one of the things I was thinking about from your email earlier was how social media has played a role in how we design our homes and how we share and all that, right? Social media has always played a significant role in all aesthetic aspects of our lives, right? So our closet, our nails, our books, our homes. The thing though is social media still allowed us to edit and stage what we wanted people to say. And the pandemic has changed that. I actually right. have deep empathy for the initial struggle people faced. You know, a lot of people seek refuge and stability in the act of going to work. Right. Not everyone shares the same level of comfort in having their home lives play out on Zoom. You know, everything from bad lighting, backgrounds, mm -hmm. interruptions. Um, there is sort of a blurring of that boundaries that has happened that took us, took everybody a bit of time to get used to and create sort of new boundaries in their homes, right? 
So the biggest shift that has happened because of the pandemic is how we think about the role of home. There, there's, the pandemic has put our homes under insane scrutiny because now, you know, they are canvas for social posts for many right. people, but also now video conferences with colleagues and hanging out with friends. And if you live in a city, yeah. your homes haven't been designed for that. Mm-hmm. So just a couple of weeks ago, we actually conducted in May a survey uh, with 2000 people nationwide in 10 cities and who said that a pandemic has really given them a chance to think about what home means to them. More than 68% uh, of the respondents said that they've spent significant time making their home more comfortable. And, you know, we definitely see, saw that reflected in the products that we were selling or renting. So we saw about a 400% rise in demand for work from home items. So, you know, we moved pretty quickly to introduce items like folding screens and decor um, into the mix of feather offerings. But we were definitely beginning to see a shift in uh, this sort of larger theme around like your homes are doing more for you or you need them to do more. Um, you know, huge, huge sort of value proposition that we offer is we come in and it's a white glove service. So we will assemble and put the furniture and organize it in your home for you. Uh, we've had to obviously, you know, make changes to that service. So we are offering contactless deliveries mm-hmm. now, but we still were, you know, we had this rare glimpse of like what people were going through, even as we were delivering this furniture outside. Um, and I think that all of that is really has taken, uh, you know, helped us shape how we want to evolve aspects of our service, aspects of our assortment, how we communicate, um, and, and really infusing a, lo- a lot more empathy than we initially, you know, not to say that we were not empathetic, but I think it's just the, the things that we've experienced, we've seen what people are telling us, like you cannot, you cannot not have empathy for all the various struggles everybody's been facing. Well, I think there's also just like, from my personal experience like I don't know if I want to invest in a you know really nice desk chair because do I want to be working from my room forever Mm -hmm. and not the uncertainty of like not knowing when we're going back to work it's hard to make these big decisions on you know what you're putting in your home but at the same time we're spending so much time here and we want to be comfortable and so I think it's amazing to have that option of you can be comfortable and you don't have to have it forever right (laughs) it's funny because I I, Michelle I thought you were going to say this story is like when we first started working from home, we both needed desks. We were working at our kitchen island for the first couple of weeks and we realized that our backs were shot. Yeah. So we both needed to invest in desks. And the first thing that I did in being the planner that I am, started researching furniture rental things. And I'm not going to lie, that's how Feather became more top of mind for me because I had heard of y'all, but I never had thought about, oh, I have enough furniture in my house. I don't need to rent a certain piece right now. But it was just a very interesting experience having my whole world kind of change, but knowing that there was a little bit of comfort if I needed a piece for just a couple of months, yeah. I had that accessible. Well, to me. I'm so glad you said that. You know, that, and that is absolutely on point. I, I do think services, any rental service, and you know, definitely ours, renting furniture, is a very smart, fiscally smart decision um, for the uncertainty that we are facing right now. You know, with Feather, actually, you can furnish an entire studio apartment for less than $100 a month. Seriously? Yeah. That's, cra- that's crazy. I did not expect that. You know, and when you compare that to the actual cost of ownership, right? Let's say you want to own this quality of furniture. Right. You're looking at an investment of at least, you know, anywhere from 1800 to 2500 So it just, you know, if right. you are in that life stage where 
you know, you're moving and you're not really sure. And also, we've seen a lot of our customers just also don't want the burden of being tied to their furniture choices right now. You know, there is a thing with furniture where you feel that once you've bought something, you I don't know, it's like this ingrained behavior that you have to use it for 10, 15 years or yeah. most furniture doesn't last that long. So it, it is really interesting where it's like, don't be tied to your choices right now. And that is a game changer, in my opinion. I mean, I've personally also um, taken advantage of the service we offer and as have most other employees during this time frame with it's funny too, because there's also a whole design aesthetic too. You live in these four walls for a short period of time and a certain square table fits specifically in that one space. But when you expand your horizons and have a larger apartment, that square table may not fit anymore. And having that flexibility to fit in a specific design is also something that I think is overlooked well, Have you been too. a fly on the wall in our like internal marketing conversations? <laughs> <laughs> we know that you have another huge project under your belt that you just relaunched the brand as a whole. So will you please tell us how that came to life um, and your experience with the relaunch overall? Yes, and thank you for asking that question. Uh, it has worked very near and dear to a lot of us at Feather. Um, and I'm biased, but I love the new rebrand. <laughs> um, <laughs> us too. It's beautiful. It really is. Thank you. You know, the thing is, it is absolutely stunning, but it's also semiotically deeply meaningful. If you think about... Mm-hmm. the arches and what arches represent and what they've represented throughout history. Universally, they've stood as a recurring symbol for welcome, for you know, inviting someone in. It's also like a passage. If you notice, actually, I have an old pre-war. I live on the Upper East Side. And in my old pre-war, actually, the, the doorways are not square like rectangles like you see in most uh, new mm-hmm. buildings actually arches i grew up in a home that had arched doorways right? yeah and and we have these deep stated memories that always associate positivity with arches actually um they also signify sort of this transition from one space to another you know when you walk through mm-hmm. an archway you're sort of leaving you know a situation a circumstance a mind state behind and you're entering a new one so it's just such a layered beautiful symbol has so many meanings for us. Like this this notion of transitioning from spaces has become mm-hmm. more meaningful. So for us, the archway was a very deliberate choice and um, a lot of thought and discussions went into that. So we were very sort of breathless when it came, when the work sort of came together the way it did. And then the other pieces, obviously our, our font, our new word mark, our colors, you know, all of those things, we were really keen on introducing more warmth and making our brand more friendly. We, all these things we'd heard from our customers, mm-hmm. they're just not a bland set. You know, they're so passionate. They're yeah. so colorful, and ambitious, you know, and by nature, you know, early customers, you know, like you guys uh, have been thinking about renting furniture for a, while, for a while. They have this like very early adopter ambition mindset. And we didn't have to work very hard to convince them. They understood mm-hmm. the value of furniture pretty quickly. So we wanted to honor all of these qualities we saw in our customers and in our brand. So infusing it with more energy, infusing it with more passion and colors was a part of um, the rebrand. So we're very proud of the work we did. We worked with an amazing team. So it just came together beautifully. And uh, I'm just so proud of my team. And we pulled it off in less than four months with a pandemic. Wow. There's a lot to be proud of. Yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> I saw the gif of the, the archway with the different colors switching out. And 
again, yeah, I thought it was gorgeous, but it also reminded me of, I'm seeing a lot of archways like being painted in people's homes, like on a wall as a mm. design touch, like on TikTok. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going to go. That's but so funny. The other day I yeah. said to you, I was like, I kind of want to paint an arch over my bed. And yeah. I, I totally agree with you of this just like, it, it feels so welcoming. Yeah. There's something inviting about it in like a vibrant color. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just like a nice symbol of yeah. openness. Yeah. And we added the dimensionality. So it has a little wink with the feathers F where you see that third part. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, you know, my ambition for the brand is I want people to think about a home when they think about feather. Because it's not even, uh, renting furniture is a, is a is service, but what we really do, that emotional service that we provide is we make people feel at home. And and this is a sentiment we've heard from our customers time and time again, you know? Uh, I love that. I think Michelle and I are exactly what who your target yeah. audience is, because <laughs> we're both sitting here, like, completely nodding our heads, smiling, <laughs> like, looking around our apartment, like, oh, wow, we can put this here, this here. <laughs> and our laundry list of things that we want to do is never-ending because yeah. of, you know, everything we see on social like Michelle just said she saw something on TikTok and wants to paint an arch now mm-hmm. and I saw some, like some shelves on Pinterest that are now hanging in our kitchen I'm extremely curious um from your experience with this rebrand I've been grappling with this a lot <clears throat> during this time of just like the hesitancy to like make any big moves because you don't want to get too far into something and you know things are changing whether it's economic uncertainty or like, are we going back to the office? Like social distancing uncertainty. So we're also learning that like life also, we just have to, life has to go yeah. on. So I'm curious what your takeaway is coming out of this mid pandemic brand relaunch where you kind of just powered through and got, and got it done. done. Like, yeah. What did you learn and what, how do you feel coming out? You know, I will say that the last four months for this country and partly for the world have been historic, mm-hmm. right? In many ways than just the pandemic. I think for me, I have I have never been through such a time in my whole career where I've been pushed to show up to be a leader every single day. Even my own team, you know, they, 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 they were all going through their own journeys, very different from each other. And, and, you know, just sort of how do you keep as a leader, how do you ensure you have the empathy? How do you ensure you are giving each individual what they need versus what you think they need? But then also, you know, maintaining that focus and that drive and the motivation. And, and, and a lot of it is like, it has to come from within and if you don't feel it, if you don't bring that, your team's going to smell, you know, your team's going to smell it. No one, there isn't a playbook that existed, right? And there won't be a playbook that will come out of this. I think that the, the only thing we are all going to sort of come out of this learning as leaders is to be flexible, to be open-minded, to ensure that empathy and vulnerability are two sort of values that you don't, you don't underestimate at all. You know, you still also have to, in 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 the context of everything that was happening um, globally, and, and especially with BLM here, you know, it's not always about the work, mm-hmm. right? It's not always about driving revenue. And we consciously paused as, and again, it's not even something we should be claiming credit for. It was the right thing to do, but pausing our social content, our ads, because even though, you know, you're in the midst of a pandemic, at some point, it's just not about the business. It's, it's about 
being larger than that. And I think acknowledging that and taking steps along the way to do that is so important. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, these mentors and these relationships that you've formed, and it's clear how valuable it's been for you in your career. Um, We know that you're also very active in this mentorship and advising. So we're curious, you know, right now, what is next for you and what are some of the things you are doing to help others grow? Yeah, this is something I feel very deeply about. And, you know, it's also for me, like, yes, I've donated money and I've, you know, joined protests, but I, for me, the way I know how to help is by offering myself, my knowledge, my experience. And I joined a bunch of men and women who were donating 10 hours of their time to mentor black professionals. I've actually decided to continue doing that forever now. I have about 10 to 12 hours open on my calendar each month that anyone who wants mentorship or advice or help to take advantage of that. That's amazing. I, I mean, my first thought was, where do you find the time? But of course, like when it's something you're, you're so, so passionate, passionate about, about and mm-hmm. it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's part of your life and you, you make the time for it. So I, I, I'm so glad you said it because that's exactly it. It's, you have to find the time for it. I know that there are so many incredible men and women who I want them to mentor others. And I want actually them to offer what they have to others, but it's just prioritization. You know, this is, I've worked my time. It's yeah. three hours a week. That's all it takes. And, and you can find three hours a week. Skip lunch yeah. if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for finding the time to talk to all the social ladies. <laughs> thank you for having me and for reaching out to me. I'm so glad I said yes to your link. <laughs> I love hearing about what purpose-driven brands are doing behind the scenes because like, I wasn't familiar with Feather from that perspective. Mm. And about this, the sustainable stuff. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. hearing Janelle talk about it too, from the standpoint of like being an employee and like wanting to hire people who also yeah. care. Like, I think that that is so powerful because it really translates through the work that they do. A hundred percent. And I just love how, I was going to say how passionate she was about the rebrand and like what that feeling of home means and and welcoming but overall her passion in general is just like awesome no i know i i leaving that interview feel and i think we said this just feel incredibly inspired to use that type of thinking about like what can i be bringing to the table to make the world better yeah and i love that you brought up the tiktok thing i think we don't really touch on it in the episode but there is this idea that social media is really driving what people want their homes to look like of course like influencers and learning by example pinterest pinterest exactly um, so I think your call out there was just a nice nod to that. Let's transition to the account you all should be following. So the account we want you to follow this week is Vistaprint, which Ooh, we actually yeah. have some experience working with a little Love bit. Them. They create product for businesses. So whether it's like business cards, signage, right now they, they're actually making masks mm. as well. And they're doing a campaign called This Is Not A Mask. The whole kind of tagline is This Is Not A Mask. It's a ticket to new experiences giving you the comfort, quality, and confidence to press play again. So it's showing people, you know, wearing these masks and it's 
not just a mask. It's about reconnecting with people because if you have your mask on, you can hang out with them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about opening doors. If you your employees are wearing masks, you can open your business again. Yeah. Um, and they're using their whole platform to give safety tips for retail shops. That's great. So like back to business, they're they're giving tips on, you know, how to keep things clean, how to keep things safe, how to talk to your customers, and I've noticed that. Over the past few months, they have just been supporting small businesses in general through this time, like spotlighting for mm-hmm. what for what they're doing in their communities. And now they're kind of shifting and giving them advice and resources. So overall, it's just awesome to see. For sure. Businesses. I mean, they have such a wide demographic of who their offerings will apply to. Right. So this makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people in the retail space could benefit from a yep. lot of the tips that yep. they're sharing. And that's the show. See you all next week. See you next week. I don't know why we say see. We can't physically see anyone. You'll hear us next week. Talk to you later. All We're not talking to them. Yeah, all we are. We're talking ladies. to them. All They're the listening. Ladies. All the social ladies. All the social ladies. All the social ladies. All the social ladies. Now put your phones up.